manner of words unsaid. Just lonely feelings like the way in my head. I trap myself further every time I stay quiet. I should start to speak, but I stop and stay silent. And now I've made my own hard bed inside this prison. Hello and welcome to the third episode of Consensus Podcast. Today I'm joined in the studio with... Jen Davis, a Labour and Cooperative member. Um, Koyan and I'm a Conservative. Um, Julia and I'm a Lib Dem councillor. And my name is Aziz Munna and I am from the Green Party and I'll be hosting today. So just before we start, um, just to let everyone know that today's episode will be about serious youth violence. Um, and we do really want you to... Join in the discussion with us using our Twitter handle, which is at the underscore consensus underscore. We'll also be using the hashtag, hashtag consensus podcast, so make sure you also use that too. Um, there'll be lots of different questions that we ask throughout the time, and we'll also be using certain jargon. So if you don't understand anything, then please look at the jargon buster hashtag as well, and we'll try to make sure that everything's really, really clear. But if we don't, then do just message us and let us know. We'll, we'll definitely make sure we sort that out for you. Um, as I said, we will be discussing serious youth violence today. Um, but before we get into the topic and really discuss this at length, um, I'm very much aware that a lot of people have maybe experienced or have had some form of experience of serious youth violence. And we do just want to make sure that you are supported and know that there's lots of different organisations out there that are really keen to listen to you and can support you if you do feel that you want to talk to someone. So some of them being, we'll give you all the details via Twitter, but some of them being Support After Murder and Manslaughter, Crime Stoppers, Victim Support, You and Co, Your Choice, Your Future, the Banking Seller Trust. We're aware that there's lots of other organisations out there and we will be sharing them on Twitter as well as soon as we're aware of them. Um, but for now, those are the ones that we're sharing. In this week's news, there has been much discussion about Prince Harry and Meghan Markle getting married. In other news, a Westminster Hall debate was heard after a petition that called on the Prime Minister to take action and build trust in the Grenfell Tower inquiry collected over 200,000 signatures in an e-petition. At the Westminster Hall debate, Grenfell campaigners expressed their views and fears that the inquiry into the fire could be a whitewash. The Prime Minister listened to campaigners and U-turned on her decision and announced that two experts would sit with the judge investigating the fire. Families of the Grenfell victims also condemned a report that came out this week into building rules and fire safety for not backing a total ban on combustible cladding. In an update on the Windrush scandal, the new Home Office Minister, Sajid Javid, announced that immigration officials believe that they wrongly removed as many as 63 members of the Windrush generation of Caribbean migrants from the UK, and the number affected could still rise. London Mayor Sadiq Khan announced his new housing programme to get 10,000 new council homes underway over the next four years. UK's first centre for children who have survived sexual abuse is to open in Camden. There, survivors will be able to get medical, social care and therapeutic and legal support. In Brexit news, the Irish government said that they do not want a border down the Irish Sea separating Great Britain from Northern Ireland. So Theresa May has conceded and said that the whole of the UK will remain tied to the customs union with the EU until after 2021, until an alternative to having a hard border in Ireland can be found. In international news, US President Donald Trump moved the American embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Palestinians were protesting for weeks, but on the day of the move, Palestinian officials say that 52 52 Palestinians were killed and 2,400 wounded by Israeli troops. And in America, there has been a school shooting. 10 people have been killed and 10 others injured in a Texas high school shooting.
serious youth violence. To give context, um, the government have announced in ONS stats that there has been a rise in crime across the UK. And they said that this crime, particularly in stabbings, has risen by 22%. So that means that almost 40,000 knife-related incidents have taken place over the course of 2017, meaning that not only have people died as a result of knife crime incidents or knife crime-related murders, but people have also been seriously injured. So, you know, life-changing illnesses have, have occurred as a result of these incidents as well. So I really just want to extend it now to the rest of the group and talk about you know, why do you think that there has been a crime, a rise, sorry, in, in knife crime particularly um, within the UK? I feel like it's multifaceted, um, you know, but a lot of the issues revolves around social breakdown. So negative family experiences, ne negative experiences with the education system, poverty, health, victims of crime. You know, some people do it for status. Also, I think music plays a big part and social media too. I also feel like the relationship between police and communities um, has been broken down, so that could also be a reason why, you know, um, youth violence has increased and also some of these young people have been um, exposed to criminal activity, so I think that's also um, a reason why. Mm. I definitely agree with you. I also think that, like, today we're a lot more desensitized to violence mm. and I feel like it's something that is normal like it's normal to fight it's normal to you know carry a knife and it's um it's normal to kind of like jeer other people to have these fights it kind of breeds like a sense of status and pride mm. with a lot of young people as well so we're just desensitized to violence we think that it's the norm that that is something that we should be doing in mm. in society in these days um <clears throat> I mean Specifically, I want to kind of understand why do we think that it's happening in, like, this year? This year. Do you know, I think... I don't know, because there's been... We we talk about, sort of, you know... I know I might get shut down for this, but, you know, this austerity agenda mm. um, and the cuts to a, a lot of the things that we used to have. So, for example, youth services, mm. they have been cut across the country ridiculously. Um... So people don't have that space where they can go to anymore. Um, in some boroughs, there are absolutely no youth centres or any sort of youth services. Um, so no, they don't have anywhere that they can go to to get off the streets. They don't have anywhere they can gain life skills. And they don't have anywhere they can, I don't know, socialise or do something mean, meaningful. So where there's an increase in these type of crimes are in areas where they are getting substandard quality of education mm. um, in that the life opportunities are just not there. There's unemployment and then there's racism and then mm. they have nothing that they can go to. Mm. Um, and I think this is a lot more prominent this year than it has been in other times. I could be I, wrong. I, I don't know because I feel like history repeated itself. Mm. Back in 2006, seven, we had a rise in shootings and stabbings and it decreased but now it started again for it to be increasing we're not we're not learning from the history we're not learning from history another reason um to why it may be prevalent this year is because you know as i said there's a breakdown between communities and the police you can you can see that in instances like abraham badru um who was allegedly killed as a revenge attack for um when he um testified against some guys who tried to rape a girl and, you know, where was the support then? He did something that was noble, like, he did a good thing, and yet he still, you know, yeah. um, managed to die for doing something good, you know? And there's also deaths at the hands of police. You've seen people like Rashawn Charles, Edson Clark, Mark Duggan, all these people are dying in the hands of police. So, obviously, when young people are having their issues, they, they feel like they can't talk to the police because, you know, because of the, um, the racism... And all these things that are happening, when they see things like this, it can, I feel like it will put them off and it wants to make them want to, yes, when, and it makes them want to take it into their own hands. So I think maybe that could be a reason, another reason why it may have increased this year. But like I said, this, there was an increase in 2000, um, back in 2007, 2008, and I feel like we're not learning from, you know, the causes then for it to be happening now. Yeah, I definitely think you're right. And I think because fear plays a major part mm. in this. And previously, many people have been 
lazy in the way that they say that, you know, knife crime is happening or increasing because of gangs. First of all, like how we even defining the gang. word gang. Mm-hmm. But today we're seeing that it's not actually gang members who are just carrying these guns. It's anyone and everyone mm-hmm. that's doing it. Mm-hmm. And that could be from having a conflict with someone and, the feel, and they feel that they need to now have mm-hmm. protection. Or it could just be simply your fear, your fearful of being attacked. So you're mm-hmm. going to carry a, a knife mm-hmm. as well. So it's a cycle as well. So it's, there is that fear that nobody is safe and everywhere and anywhere that you go, there's that kind of uncertainty in, in, in where you live. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think there is an idea of people feeling like they don't want to be a victim. Mm. And instead of being a victim and being sort of like exposed when they walk on the street to possibly being robbed or even possibly just being approached by people that they don't know asking where you're from they rather carry a knife and it's interesting because um you know we're going to go on to this in in a second but there has been a lot of work done at government level to try to have harsher demands on Mm -hmm. people who carry knives but yet this still doesn't make a difference because a lot of people as you say all different ages are carrying weapons but just to quickly pivot a second you know this is not the only type of weapon we're seeing people use especially yeah. towards you know the end of 2017 we've seen so many different acid attacks yeah. what is that about and i guess you kind of all alluded to the fact that there's there's multifaceted reasons as to why people are or this that there's a really an increase in crime but it kind of seems like there's a sense of hopelessness yeah like no but no one can be protected and you have to look after yourself yeah, yeah. And I don't think it helps as well, because um, if if you look at it, um, the conflation of gang and violence. So you then go back into this whole thing that the government would say we need to be tough on gang, so we can tackle youth um, mm. violence. So then they go back into the communities. Then they've been super harsh. That it is, and then they don't trust the the community. Don't trust the police. Yeah. So it's, it's, it just get, keeps going back and forth. Mm. Um, so yeah (laughs) yeah I think it's really interesting that we as um, young black and mixed race women even chose to do this subject I haven't really heard many discussions of this kind amongst women Um, and I just want to quickly get your perspective like why do you think it's important that we discuss this issue I personally think it's I think it's the fact that we're discussing this right now it's actually sad that we have to have this Mm. um, episode as one of our podcast series and it's, it makes me fearful because you know we're gonna soon start having children. Like, what kind of society? What yeah, kind of society? Exactly. What kind of world are we gonna bring them into? And I think it's good that women are having this conversation as well because it's not just men that are affected by this. Because a lot of the women as well are partners of people who have been stabbed or murdered, mm-hmm. or even just relatives, or even just a friend, or even just a witness to to the to the violent crime. But there's no support base there for them. Mm. So it then becomes a cycle as well because perhaps they then... There's the, there's the mental health issue, whereas there's, they're not um, being supported emotionally. There's also the other cycle of, okay, so that has happened to a person that I love, revenge, a cycle, yeah, then there's exactly. more violence and then it just happens to be it's that you're either killed or you're going to kill. So it's actually really good that we're having this kind of discussion. And you're right, I haven't seen many women have that many discussions and about women have it. Been victims. But they have been victims. Mm. They've also been victims exactly. as well. I would just like yeah. to just interject, sorry. Personally I I have seen women talk about um this issue. I've seen people like Temi Mawale mm. discuss it um a lot in the news and she's written um, a few articles. Also seen um a girl called Bola Soul, she right. did like an episode on her talk Shut show. Up, yeah. <laughs> um, she did an episode about knife, um, about youth violence, and there was a girl that she um, that spoke about it. She used to be a gang member. I forgot her name. Oh my gosh! But I will link her. Mm. I, I will link her Twitter mm-hmm. um, at on. We will we will link her Twitter at onto um, our Twitter page so that you can follow her because she also you know speaks mm. out on. Um, youth um violence and mm-hmm. you know the importance of you know trying to combat this and stuff like that um so yeah i do i have seen women talk about it. i just I, I guess it just depends on who you follow yeah, or, yeah. You and know, also the you... impact do they do they specifically focus on the impact that it has on women as well um or is it tell me tell me about youth uh, yeah. violence from a youth 
perspective, perspective and, right, and, right. Causes. Yeah. and she, she talks about trauma as well yeah trauma okay. related okay um, and then there's yeah. also a woman called um whitney i forgot her surname oh, whitney, uh, Isles. yeah I- I- she L- does L- some yes. stuff called yeah. the project 507 or something right. so yeah. she also does discussion and she okay. had an input into the lamb review and stuff yeah. so um there are women that do discuss it There are lots of women out there who are raising the profile of serious youth violence and speaking out about it, um, mm. but particularly on the issue of how women are affected by it. Um, so yeah, I guess I probably should just put this out there. Like, has anyone, any one of us, have been directly affected by serious youth violence, whether that be knife crime, gun crime, any sort of grievously grievous bodily harm um, or of that sort? Yeah. Um, so. My experience of this is, it's interesting because this is always, as a Londoner, growing up in London, back in the day, as you would say, we had friends who were stabbed, shot, found in canals in East London, you know, and then you kind of got over it. But more recently, my two younger brothers, I mean, I was even chased with a knife when I was in school. So something so random, I ran for my life. So I, I had a, I ran into Hoxton Library. Wow. That was how I saved myself. This, it was a girl actually yeah. that chased me with a knife. Did you know um, her or I didn't know her? Um, no we were all walking, way. you know, after school, walking yeah. through Hoxton Market. Uh, we were giggling. She thought we were laughing at her and her boyfriend. Oh my gosh. And then we just thought, what? And carried on our business. She went home, came back with a knife, and we ran. We mm. ran and ran into the library. <laughs> But this was when I was probably about 17, wow. if that. Um, so it's, it hasn't changed. Like back then, living in Hackney, you do not go into North London mm. and vice versa. And it's such a shame to see that that is still different. I, my One of my best friends, his brother was also sort of involved in gang violence. He's turned around now and he now gives interviews on the BBC. Mm. So I said to him, so, well, this has happened quite a lot in Harringay, in my patch would you be happy to come over to see what we can do together? He was like, no, I'm not going to mm. North London. He still cannot go to North London, wow. even though he's reformed. So mm. these are just some of the personal things. But like m- most recently, my brother, who is 16, he was on his way home from school with his friends, a group of boys. They, they cop for the park, even though they should never go through the park. I keep telling them this. But that's even the thing. Like, why? Yeah. Why can't they go through the park? Because of because of what is about to happen to them. It's yeah. just easy so to just go through the main road. So this boys group of boys came in the mask, um, asked them if they had a phone, and he they said no. So as soon as they said no, my brother saw a knife being brought out. Bear in mind, he's sixteen. He's in school uniform. And he sees the knife, he runs and told his friend, let's run. But his friend wasn't as quick as he was. Mm. So his friend got stabbed in the chest. Now, two things struck me. They didn't realise they'd been stabbed. He'd been stabbed, so he kept running. And eventually they stopped, his chest started hurting. So they realised he'd been stabbed. My brother did not feel that he could call the ambulance because he felt that they would think that he's been the one causing trouble. They did not feel that they could get on the bus to go to the hospital because they didn't want people looking at him funny because he's caused the trouble. So they walked to the hospital. So imagine if he collapsed. Luckily, the boy is fine. He was in hospital for a few days, had stitches, got infected, he had to go back in, but he's fine. Four weeks later, (laughs) my younger brother, who's 13, Again, going for the park <laughs> on his way to school. In the morning, he gets stopped by this group of boys. They ask for his phone. My brother, being my brother, sweetest, the sweetest boy ever, gives his phone. Good. Then they said to him, they was like, are you sure that's the phone you have? The phone wasn't the latest model enough for, for them. So they give my brother back the phone. So my brother's shaking. Mm. This woman sees something was wrong, goes over to say, what's going on here? My brother was too scared to speak that the boys that were robbing him spoke for him. No, wow. stop it. So the boys left. 
They then came back after the woman left and said to him, have you got any money on you? And he said no. Then I told him, today's your lucky day. Wow. He couldn't make it home. The audacity. The audacity. And this happened within a space of a month of each other. And these are what young black men are going through. This yeah. is their daily life. Luckily, my brother goes to, my 16-year-old brother goes to a school that they seem to genuinely care. Mm. In that they allowed him to stay in the class by himself so he can have time off. Mm. They like gave him counselling session, yeah. and it, it took me, my mom, my sister having a chat with him, mm. telling him you did the right thing. Yeah. Um, this is why you need to get out of here. Make sure you focus on what you need to do. Yeah. Um, and that bit is really important. That aftercare is the aftercare. So the school has been absolutely brilliant in terms of the way they dealt with it, because he's like an A student so they really have high hopes for him mm. so maybe if it happens to another student that was seen as a troublemaker which incidentally my 13 year old brother is seen as a troublemaker they might not have given him that same level of care mm. um, and that is my personal experience with wow. this so sorry. disease personal stories are just yeah it's just harrowing to hear and let alone we know it's happening but also when it happens to your family it's a different story yeah. like, but w one thing I do want to quickly ask and I guess this is um I should put out there that I do police and crime research for the GLA that did when when that happened to your brother the first in, first time it may have taken a while for him to tell you but was it your family's first reaction to tell the police and did you the first time, yes, um, they told the police and we, to be fair, my family, we've not had the best relationship with the police. My sister got attacked by some grown ass man. The police did nothing about it. The man actually turned up to our house. So we live, my mum lives on an estate in South London, turned up to the house with a knife. Eh? Because he had a mental health issue, they couldn't do anything. He beat my sister up in the middle of the streets. He's like in his 30s. At that time, my sister was 17, spat in the eye, oh, that the God, eye got infected. No. And then she eventually went to court. She got interrogated, even though she was a child. And, and I've had issues with the police as well. So our experiences with the police have, have not been great. So the first time this happened to my brother um, and his friend, the, the police were called because obviously there was a stabbing involved. Um, the second time it happened to my younger brother, my 13-year-old, my mum didn't bother. So when I found out, I said, well, I don't understand. Why didn't you call them? Mm. She said, what are they going to do? Mm. I was like, well, they might not do anything, but at least it's on record. That's really sad because that sense of hopelessness, if that mm -hmm. is at an adult level and you have the power and you know what you're capable of doing, mm. you know that you pay council tax, you know that you contribute to society in a particular type of way. And if you have that sense of hopelessness, and that trickles down to the younger generations. Yeah. There's only a generational sense of hopelessness, which means that, therefore, that's why you're saying, you know, earlier, Jen, you were talking about how people don't have faith in the police. I do just want to put out there, like, um, do follow us on Twitter. We're on at the underscore consensus underscore. If you feel comfortable, do share some of your stories with us, because I think it's important that we as a collective come together and report these issues. Yeah, yeah our, our voices and our experiences should not be silenced. Yeah, um, and we definitely, definitely need to hold the police where necessary to hire account yeah. and also know where the uh, responsibility is. So, so in some instances, and I'm not speaking on behalf of the police, but in some instances, there may be a Crown Prosecution, a CPS, um, fault with why something may not be taken forward mm. because they don't feel like they have enough evidence that's not to say that your voice and your experience should not be accounted for and heard yeah. um and also just to add as well yes fine i've not had great experiences with the police mm. i also almost understand the way i also almost understand why people are in this life of crime yeah. so i still felt 
went to stab my brother, why did they do this? I want to find out what the real causes yeah, are. Yeah. But I think with the police, there is a chronic lack of resources. Um, when you do speak to some police and actually have a conversation with them, you get to know just what they, the pressure they're under as well. Yeah. And they've since said, it shouldn't just be, it's not just us dealing with this. Yeah. Yeah. It is a collective yeah. thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And that's um, the thing, we need to change our mindset because yes. everybody thinks, oh, it happened in this area, so it doesn't affect me. But it affects everybody, it affects do you know what I mean? It's starting to trickle down to other areas apart from London. And I think we need to stop having this individualistic mm-hmm. um, mindset, oh, it's not affecting me pers- yeah. um, pers- directly, so I don't need to um, get involved. We all need to find a way to, you know, tackle this so yeah and just on your point quickly um stats released this week have shown that 27 people under the age of 25 um have been murdered in the capital this year so you know that is having shock waves of effects Mm -hmm. not only just on the people and their families but also friends and friends of families. My mum even said to me that she knows a lady who said that her daughter has been to more funerals than she has. Wow. That's, that's, this that's, is a, this is an issue. This is a serious, serious issue. And that um, is people's reality today. Yes. That, that is what they're having to go through daily. And it's, it's sad. And that's Jen's sad. reality, because we've had this conversation, you also have your story. different from Julia's um almost 10 years ago now it's gonna be 10 years this year um my partner was um shot but he wasn't meant to get shot he was caught in a crossfire and um yeah he got shot um and you know from his injuries he died I can still remember it vividly um you know having to go to where he he was shot and seeing the amount of blood that he lost, um, also, um, you know, going to the mortuary, um, seeing his, you know, his lifeless body and stuff, and bearing in mind I was in my teens, it still kind of affects me today that I've had to now go and get counselling, um, because at the time it happened, there was no support. It's so important that, like, um, Queen said, that, you know, we need to deal with the aftercare, and aftercare is needed, because coming up to 10 years on I'm still struggling with it like even when I talk about it um sometimes like it makes me cry and I remember when I realized that I um hadn't gotten over it was um, when I was at the labor conference in 2015 in Liverpool and I don't know what we were discussing but me and my friends we were discussing it and we were discussing something and it came up and I started crying and I was like wow like I actually haven't gotten over this and that's what made me like decide to say okay Jen you need to go and get um, counselling I'm not gonna lie it's not on the NHS and I have to pay for it myself but I work so it's not it's not an issue but imagine young people who haven't you know especially my thing is the siblings of the young people affected because yes you know the parents are going through stuff but it's essentially the siblings who I feel personally will be more affected Um, and I feel like you know they need to be provided some sort of counselling um, to to deal with it so that they don't retaliate exactly. or they don't have nightmares. A family friend of mine also, like, I think it was about seven or eight years ago, I can't remember, but he was also, um, he was shot in the head and then he was, his body was burnt. His issue was because, you know, he was going to go and testify um, against a group of guys um, in a gang and... You know, essentially because they didn't want him to speak or snitch, um, they this is what they did. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, it makes it so difficult for people to want to do the right thing. Cause exactly. He was going to, um, he was testifying against other people. Mm. Did you say? And like you said before, with that, um, that Abraham Radu as well. You're trying to do the right thing, but then you potentially could get killed yeah you could get stabbed for trying to do the right thing so how how are we gonna how do we live in a society where doing the right thing now you're potentially fearing for your life well that's why i think it's important that 
we need to build relationships with the community and police need to have better relationships. Yeah. Um, before I was a bit critical of um, having more police officers on um, on our streets, but I do feel like we do need them. However, we need to we need police officers to have training because yeah. a lot of them have this this racial bias, and we need to get that out of the system. And this has been going on for years because it's happened during the Stephen Lawrence case. Um, and it's still happening today. So I feel like, you know, we need to, um, if we have more police officers, we need to get rid of them. And I think we also need more black police officers as well. Mm. Um, so yeah. There is a massive drive for there to be um, more diverse yeah. officers, but I guess that's talking more into policy. So just taking, I do, I do just want us to quickly just reflect on the many people that have lost their lives this year. Um, because sometimes it's so quick and easy to just talk about people in terms of numbers, but mm. these are actual lives, yeah. and you know, these yeah. are these are homes, these are these are families, these are fathers, their mothers, their daughters, their nephews, their cousins. There's so many different types of people, and I think we do really need to mm. just like focus on the fact that these are human beings at the end of the day. Yeah, um, actually right. It's so true. So yeah, can we just have like just one brief moment? Yeah, sure. Cheers, thank you. consensus so therefore you know we are going to speak about these issues from a political standpoint um and it's really interesting because we do have the four parties here today so i really want to discuss what coin is the government doing about serious youth violence okay so just a bit of a background for those who don't really understand or know um within the government there's a ministry called the home office um, the Home Office sorry, is a ministerial department responsible for immigration, security and law and order. So this year they introduced a 40 million serious violence strategy um, and it was set out the government's response in three core areas. And this is early intervention and prevention, which is a key thing to combating um, violent crime supporting communities and local partnerships and effective response from law enforcement and the criminal justice system. So um, the prevention is key. So that's the, one of the main aspects that they're focusing on. Um, it's especially key in educating young people and working with them and the community to create an environment where they can feel safe. Um, I think the government has definitely got some great points in this strategy. I do think that they are a bit naive in some of the points that they have, especially when it comes to um, their social media campaigns. Um, <laughs> I, I, <sighs> especially, you know, there's the knife, is it knife free and um, London needs you alive. Yeah, that's I mean, that's just a GLA. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's a GLA one. But I mean, as a whole, like all these campaigns, I'm not really here for them. And I say that because I get what they're trying to do, but in reality, it's not going to reach the people that actually need them. It's wasting money, and it's a waste of money because people are not going to look at pictures, they're not going to look at billboards, they're not going to look at these promo videos and think, okay, cool, I've seen this now, I'm going to put my knife down without actually going into the real reason mm. why they're carrying a knife. You're not going to see a picture and think, okay, I'm going to put my life down, um, my knife down, but my life. I'm still fearful for my life. I'm just going to drop the knife and then everything is going to be merry and great about it. Like, you're spending millions and millions of pounds on these strategies that actually you're just touching the surface. Mm. You're not actually really digging deep into it. And some of them, they're not even involving people who have actually, you know, been past... Um, who have had um, issues with knife crime or gun crime, who have um, been affected by it, or people who even have committed the um, crimes in the first place. Um, there is a good thing. Um, I will put the link 
on our Twitter page. Um, so they are providing funding to community groups and community projects. Um, they're making up to one million in. 2018 and 2019 so i think it, you need to they need to um give that money by the end of march and you can get up to thirty thousand pounds um but that can go higher in case you're um collaborating with another um group so what they're doing is they are um, inviting bids in the spring for those interested um, all you have to do is apply by the 15th of June, which is why I will um, plug that page on our Twitter page because there's a whole application process um, that you'll need to do. So again, the deadline for that, if you are interested in doing that, is the 15th of June. They are also providing 11 million over the next two years through an early intervention youth fund as well. Um, so that's going to enable the police and crime commissioners and community safer partnerships to work um, and support young people as well. Um, I think that will be launched in summer, if I'm not mistaken. Um, there is something that the government is currently doing, but I do think they need to do a lot more of, um, and that is restorative justice. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, green I'm really, fire policy. I, I, I'm actually, I'm actually so here for it. Um, I have to tell you because no one else is going to tell you that's a green fire policy. Are you upset? Yeah. Do you no, not I'm like restorative justice? No, I do love it. It's important. It's no, great. I just, I, I love it. Yeah, I do love it, and I do definitely think that that is something that I think will also c help people in preventing further crime, and mm. as well as having that healing process, as well as especially for the victims and for the person who has committed the crimes because a lot of the time a lot of them are not remorseful they don't really understand the impact of mm. what they have done um, so for the benefit of our audience when you say restorative justice what do you mean so it's 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 bringing the the two parties together to have conversations and just kind of open up and deal with what has happened mm. together so it's it's not just focusing on the offender or it's not just focusing on the victim, it's focusing on both of them together. So yeah, I'm here for that. That's good. Mm. That's good, but yeah, I've read the government strategy and yeah. I think it's... Put it quite bluntly, I think in many ways it's kind of a slap in the face. Yeah. Because bear in mind, the government mm. have to account for the whole of the UK. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that one million that you're trying to give to community organisations, mm, what nothing. is that? Like, yeah. literally, what is that? Yeah. And bear in mind, we're talking about, we're trying to address very much of the complex issues that you were discussing earlier, mm. Jen, in terms of all these reasons as yeah. to why. So how is £30,000 to a Enough. community organisation yeah. who at, on the, at, could be at grassroots level doing amazing work, but £30,000 mm. is not enough. Is not enough. Yeah. So, yeah, this is what they're doing. Um... I personally as well don't agree with everything that they're doing. I don't think they really fully understand the extent of what is going on as well. I feel like with the strategy as well, it was kind of just a quick emergency reaction as mm. to this. I would, I don't really want to call this an epidemic. I feel like it's more chronic than an epidemic. It's just that it's more acute now. Mm. But I'd, can I just you to interject? I don't think that it was a rush thing because they've been saying from last year that they're going to be printing out a... Um, they're going to be releasing a strategy. And my thing is, like... Who are the people inputting into this strategy? That's what I want to yeah. know because they say they always say, "Oh, we've spoken to these, these groups people, and these groups, yeah. and this is what they've said." So, who are the groups that they're speaking to? Because if they're collect collecting all of this information and making a strategy, then maybe the groups that they're talking to are not, not the, the right, right groups, groups to be yeah. speaking to. Mm. You know, so you feel like it'll be better if people are more aware of the groups that they said, so we can validate whether yeah. it's, it's it's they're good groups or not. Yeah. But also, I think in the report um, they mentioned a lot about the um, county lines as being um, uh, the driving force to rising crime. Yes. Meaning not. that meaning that a lot of people are moving across um, borders, essentially. Yeah. So, like, from, from London to Essex or Essex to Kent to traffic drugs as being, like, a sole driver of this crime mm. or one of the major drivers. And county... I think county lines has been happening for years. It has. Yeah, like, people have been talking about... <laughs> country for exactly. a time so mm. now they have this eureka it's also a misconception just saying that that's the driving force because it's, it's not, not the driving we, force. as you guys have said earlier it's you know it's people who are fearful you know that just pick up knives and want to go and retaliate or they're or they're fearful of their lives and they're not part of gangs they're just mm. individuals yeah. but so like you're saying um aziz about the um government saying that it's just for me it's just me mis i feel like it's a misconception that um that they're, that they're using that as a um, 
something to say. So yeah. Mm. Okay, let's quickly switch to the Greater London Authority because they're based in London and we want to hear like what they're saying about the issue and how they're dealing with it. Okay, so the Greater London Authority is responsible for making London a better place mm-hmm. and one of its aspects is to, de- is to deal with policing and crime. Um, so last year, the mayor published a, a knife crime strategy and um, essentially it was a package of tough and comprehensive measures to tackle, you know, the increase of knife crime. But I'm going to talk about a lot of the stuff that he's said this year. Mm. So, um, you know, he's investing 110 million into the Met Police, and which will um, help create, you know, a violent crime task force, which will consist of 120 officers, and they will focus solely on violent crime. Um, he's also announced um, that they will be doing, um, he will be having a Young Londoners Fund mm. um, and the applications for that need to be submitted yeah. by the 12pm on the 9th of July. So I will post, we will post the link up yeah. on our yeah. Twitter page and it's basically for people who are actually working and supporting young people on the verge of being excluded or involved in crime. Mm. I think that's um, important that he's doing that. Mm. Also, one thing that they've also done is... Um, They've started giving knife detector ones to schools, and apparently 150 schools um, have started to use them. Oh, okay. um, just to, you know, if young people are going into schools with yeah. knives, they yeah, can yeah. detect it. But then at the same time, if young people know that their schools are having it, they can go and hide gonna, their yeah. knives in places. Because I remember back in the days when you used to go to carnival, yeah. like guys used to go and hide, go go like the day before to um, to, to, to Notting Hill and they would go areas. the whole day before? Yeah, oh, to go and hide, no. yeah, they would go and hide like yeah. their weapons because obviously if there's a bag of you, mm. when I'm in a bag, if there's a bunch of you, sorry, mm-hmm. um, if there's a bunch of you going, obviously police are likely mm. to stop, stop you, you and stuff, so obviously yeah. they won't have anything on there, but if there was an issue, they would go to these places to go and pick up the knives and that's how stabbings happen yeah. in the carnival. Oh, wow. These youngsters are Smart. Yeah, yeah, but this or stuff like that was happening from before. Um, also, he wants to um, bring more safer school officers yeah. um, to help drive down knife crimes in schools. And yeah, essentially, um, we've got the London Needs Your Life campaign, um, which I just that campaign. I'm just like, oh. <laughs> It was a waste of money. Sorry, Sadiq, but that was a waste of money and I feel like that money could have been invested in services. So remember to use the hashtag Consensus Podcast. Let us know what you think about some of these government initiatives, mm-hmm. whether you've heard about any of them, whether they're useful, whether you think that any one of them are part of a bigger and wider solution to helping reduce serious youth violence. So I just want to move to you quickly, Jules. Like, have you heard about any of these things and what do you think about some of their initiatives? As you guys were sort of going through this, because I was going to talk about what the Lib, Lib Dems were doing yeah. and our... Uh, call for us to have the Glasgow to adopt the Glasgow approach and it seems to me that we're finally because for some reason we don't want to adopt that approach we've resisted saying that we want to do that what is that approach so essentially the Glasgow approach is just the police the schools Mm. um youth services hospitals all working together Mm. is essentially tackling different aspects of a person's life so education um life experiences and they i mean scotland no glasgow was the second murder city um in the western europe Mm. and since they implemented this approach so it's more holistic it's looking at everything which is why i'm such a big advocate of this and they've seen a massive reduction um in youth violence Mm. and we've been calling for this so the little bits and the little initiatives that's going on, so like the Londoners Fund, the 11 million for the preventative measures, seem to be gearing towards that. So why can't we just package this into one thing, thing as yeah. a public health thing? So for example, like the Lib Dem, we've always liked um, Caroline Pigeon, our GLA member, okay. the, in, she put forward a motion 
and essentially just calling for all of this. So she wants there to be sort of more local police officers. Well, not she. The Lib Dems want there to be more um, local officers frequenting London hotspots. Um, and we've put out ways in which you can fund this as well. But it wasn't just focusing on, um, you know, enforcement. It also talks about um, the need for us to... Um, for the mayor to replicate the, the Glasgow uh, model for youth workers to be in A&E um, to start that conversations with patients who are victims of crime and for there to be a support of programme for teachers to identify gang behaviour um, and also for local authorities across the country to adopt that model. And that is what she's done in terms of on a London level but more generally we currently have passed a motion um, at our last conference where we basically called for proper funding, mm. amnesty for community-led approach, um, including working with charities such as Red Fred, um, and basically just trying to tackle, again, the causes, get to the root causes of it. Um, we also wanted to be sort of like mentoring schemes so that there will be sort of conflict prevention, mediation training for all students so that they can learn the act, the act of dealing with problems properly. And basically, we also recognise that um, the root causes, basically everything we're talking about, the root causes are complex. We need to consider socioeconomic factors as well as simple mm, criminality. Yeah. Um, and also, we've raised concerns about the impact and the overuse of stop to search, particularly on yeah. being... Um, and black and minority people. Yeah. Um, so that's essentially where the Lib Dems are, mm. um, and that's what we've called for. Um, and it's nice to see that we seem to be reaching a consensus, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a cross-party consensus, in that some of these initiatives are already being implemented, mm. but not done. It's fragmented yeah. and it's piecemeal. Yeah. It needs to be all one. All one. So how about you, Aziz? You always want to pop up the green. Yeah, I, I am. And no shade, no tie <laughs> on this one, yeah. But I I sit in the GLA and I yeah. and I, I followed this for free, I followed policing for three years. Yeah. And I know the work that Caroline has done in terms of supporting Red Fred and the integrated approach. Mm. But I, I I would like to know if you could just send me the receipts later <laughs> as to where the Lib Dems have spoken about. Um, a public health approach, and the reason why I say that, and I am, and I do want to pre- um, be really specific on that, is because that was something that, through m- me and my assembly member, we raised, and we've been raising for over a year, mm. and that has been through the fact of people like Temi. Um, there's so many organisations that if I even start, it's going to be a problem. Yeah. So that so many organisations who mm. we've been in touch with, and they've said to us, "This is the way that you should be doing it." Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and even in terms of, so you mentioned the knife crime strategy that came out after the mayor did the police and crime strategy. Mm. And when he did his initial draft, we wrote a response to the draft. And there you will be able to find us writing down there should be a public health approach. Mm-hmm. So it's, it doesn't make a difference who said it first, but it does to some extent when but you're a small party. <laughs> when you're a small party, it makes a difference no, because yeah, it's, it's quick because quick for other people to it's jump on it. Like yeah. you said, yeah. the government has taken it and now they're running with prevention yeah. and, and Labour has taken it and yeah. running with prevention. But your point is still valid. Yeah. None of it is being done in a holistic no, way. Yeah. Yeah. Even with the mayor's knife crime strategy, we said to him, look, okay, we recognise that you're now taking a different approach and you are going to include the 45 million and I will also send you the receipts to show our campaign don't of worry. how we got that money. We've we got believe receipts. You <laughs> all know, but people don't know. I mean, <laughs> uh, outside of one of the receipts oh I can goodness. give you right now is oh. our campaign is called Action Now. So okay. if you want some deeds, Thank you. it's on, on like there. It. Our oh. motions is also out there to it's see. It's good, it's true. Motions um, are we've public. We've this mm. in Hackney, in Harringay. It's there. You, no, do you know what? Rather than me just send you the receipt. No, you put it on Twitter. Why don't we put it on yeah, Twitter? Yeah, no, we'll put it on Twitter. And then so we'll just put it out receipt. there. <laughs> no, but do you know why? It's important. And it's of important course. that... It is, actually. Right. My, my fight, to, to, to be honest, isn't with Lib Dem. It's yeah. actually to for bigger organisations or bigger parties like Conservatives and Labour who hijack an idea but don't even do it properly it's or don't even true. say that it's... it's true. Or to say where it came from, or say why it came out of this way, but they want to resurrect it or mm. rebrand it as something different. Don't rebrand it; just do what they did before, yeah. and then say, okay, how can we apply it in London? Do you That's know what I mean? It's true. The story of the live them life. Trust <laughs> me. Everything in the way. Well, yeah, no, I agree. Like I said, but yeah, you're right.
so yeah, Jules, you mentioned earlier that um, youth services across London have been cut, and this is work that um, Green London Assembly member Sean Berry and I have been working on for two years now. And they, when we when we released the data, organisations, youth organisations, were so happy that you know we had done this work because they had felt the cuts for years. Like mm-hmm. over eight hundred people have lost their jobs as a result of, or full-time staff, sorry, should I, should I add, have lost their jobs as a result of the cuts since 2011. Um, and, and, and the cuts are just ridiculous. Like, every year, £38 million has just been death, like decimated. Mm. And so, if we're talking about root causes, of course you should fund young people to help them fulfil their potential, mm. not just the ones you label as bad mm. or the ones you've ostracised and decided that they're in a gang because there's more than two of them, as the Home Office describes a gang to be. Or like they listen to music. Or drill music that you also think is not good. Like, Don't get me wrong, these things are contributing factors, but is it the thing? No. Mm. It's the, the constant deprivation and mm. poverty and the fact that there's no, there's no um, investment in young people or there's no investment in their areas so why would they even care how they live or feel or why would they even feel a sense mm. of pride and duty if mm. nobody else cares the people who have the money and who the people who have the power to make decisions don't care either do you know mm. what i mean so yeah that's where we need to come in and start scrutinizing our local councils and asking them what are they doing for you know youth services what are they doing for crime it's not only just you know government the government or GLA it's also our local councils that we can hold accountable to um, um, about these issues Um, sorry just to quickly just want to quickly say something so obviously Sadiq Khan um, has his own um, strategy but Labour in opposition to um, the government have kind of had their own strategy as well so in our manifesto we said we wanted um, safer communities and they want to be Labour wants to be tough on crime (laughs) Um, oh, so actually... just yeah, that's a conservative. She said tough on crime like that because conservatives are supposed to be tough on crime. Um, so tough on crime, and they want to have more police officers. But recently, um, in April, Jeremy held uh, Jeremy Corbyn, the leader of the Labour Party, mm. held a roundtable discussion with organisations and people directly involved in youth violence. Yeah, so organisations that work with these people um, said that they need um, better resources. Um, they also talk about the important role of evidence-based police stop and search. Although um, it has, it's not we're not in government. It won't come into effect. We, as we've already been doing, we will continue to put pressure on the government to make changes to the way they handle. So being in opposition, the, pardon? Being in opposition. Yeah. Sorry, that was another dig. <laughs> so, but at least we're in opposition. So. <sighs> Well, you know, guys, this is a very serious issue, and we're now, you know, politicizing the issue. Sorry, guys, like we don't mean to politicize the issue, but yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's that's what essentially the Labour opposition is currently doing. Mm -hmm. So, just picking up from what you said earlier, Jen, what is everyone's views on stop and search? Whether that be intelligence-led stop and search, an increase in stop and search. For me, it's a good and a bad thing. Um, I think it's a good thing in the aspect of, you know, it when used properly. Actually, I can't even say when used properly because I don't, I don't know what that means. But, you know, when it's used, sometimes it can stop um, young people or any person, actually, from carrying a knife or gun, etc. And especially when I'm on Twitter and I see, like, um, metropolitan police um, from different areas putting pictures of these massive knives that they've collected yeah. from people. So, yeah, um, that's a reason why maybe it's a good thing. It's a good thing in the sense that I agree with you when I see um, pictures on Twitter of them deterring um, these young people from all people from just um, carrying knives or weapons. But on the same time, like, we can't shy away from the fact that there is a a racial bias. Mm -hmm. And even recently, um, did you guys see what Piers Morgan said about this? And how he was like, well, um, he was just trying to basically say that it's all about gangs. And how is he defining a gang? Like, like we've said before in the beginning, you could be with your six friends walking and you could get stopped and searched. And because you look like you're in a gang, just because there aren't a big number of you you're going to get stopped and searched. Some of the stop and searches that they are doing are for the most ridiculous things. They'll be like, oh, I can smell weed on you, but they're 5,000 well, 5, feet away. How are you smelling weed on this person? Like, the reasons are not logical. And I think that if stop and search is something that is going to 
continue then obviously they need to be accountable for what they are doing they need mm-hmm. to start wearing body cameras and and the images from those body cameras need to be accessible for people to see so we can actually interrogate it and see the reasons as to why they are doing their stop and searches is it a legitimate reason or not and and if if they are doing stop and search and it is for a legitimate reason what is the care for you know arresting a person like are you using force are you not like the, there's mm-hmm. a lot of there's a lot of um there's a lot of st- um, branches that go with stop and search. Mm. Just point of point of interest or information. Yeah. Sorry, all police officers now will be wearing body worn cameras. Yeah, That's good. everyone. If you if you believe that an interaction you've had with the police mm. has been negative, you can flag it yourself. Yeah. yeah, there are also monitoring officers in different boroughs, sort of like spot checking, um, mm. and there are also stop and search monitoring groups doing this type of work you see it now they, it's clicked yeah. on there yeah. yeah some of them yeah. um, down in down the street they have it on their actual hat yeah. mm. so. so that's just out to everyone like if you want to be a part of these monitoring groups that you know check the police then be on it if you feel like this is like one of something that you're really passionate about and you want to be a part of then go for it yeah and another thing on that as well each police there's a ward police panels yeah which you can apply to join and be a member of. So why not get in touch with your local police and see what's going on in the police panel or go to the next meeting so you can find out what is going on in the local community. Yeah. And that might bridge the divide maybe yeah. when you're being quite engaged and it's a two-way thing. Quite simply, stop and search is racially discriminatory. It's yeah. that simple. Um, the stats shows that it is. You guys have already mentioned it. Mm. And the latest... The sort of the phoenix of stop and search is this gang matrix thing. <sighs> Fine, they don't actually stop you to search you, but you're put on a list. But supposedly more than two agencies have to agree before a name gets put on the list. Because the list is actually now at 3,000 plus, yeah. but it would have been much more if it was just the police Please, doing yeah. it themselves. Yeah. There's still an issue that yeah. like 78% of people mm. on that list are oh, black. Yeah. When the OMET stat shows 25% of the crime... It's committed by black people. Like, mm. it's not adding up. It's not. It's not adding up. It's that simple. So, I think stop and search is racist, and I think this new thing is racist. Going back to what Julia said, it's, it amazes me like 40% of people listening in the Matrix have no record of involvement in any violent crime um, in the past two years and 30% of them have never committed any serious offence. So my thing is, why are they on it? Yeah. And I'm even surprised that there are people, young people on it from the ages of 12 whose details are being put in this system. But that even goes back to what you said, Aziz, because if two agencies are needed and... From that quote that you've just said, how is that weighing up? Like, mm. how is the statistics matching what is actually happening? But the thing is, who are the, the organisations? The organisations are like um, housing associations, schools. Yeah, I know, local but then councils. how do these people like know these people are? Where do where they getting this information that these people are yeah. involved in criminal activity? That's what I don't understand. I mean, this is all GDPR, but, but. <laughs> so anyway, that's good that that's coming into effect anyway. So yeah, just on that point about the gang's matrix, there's so many questions. Like Even in my work, I'm asking um, the mayor a lot of questions through my politician about where are these people, are there victims on this list as well, because we have heard that victims are on the list, um, and what boroughs are, where do they come from sort of thing, just to work out if it's being disproportionately aggregated in different areas, because mm-hmm. we have heard as well that because the criteria is really unknown, different boroughs do it differently. Um, but just on that point, the mayor did say that there will be a review of the gang's matrix coming out later this year. Yeah. But the gang's matrix isn't new, you know. It's been it's been around for a few years, so the review should probably happen sooner rather than later because yeah. a lot of people are aware of it and they're not happy. Yeah, it's just another one of those things that seem like it's attributable to the the police, and the police are against those of mm. you know people of color and or black people particularly. Going back to what Julia said earlier about. Um, people sitting on boards and groups to do with like crime and policing in Hackney um, there's a stop and search group for young people which holds the Met to account about their stop and search practices in Hackney Mm -hmm. and I think that's important and I feel like maybe every you know borough should adopt this as well 
because obviously it's essentially a lot of young people are getting stopped and searched and they feel some kind of way so if you're having the young voice to kind of you know discuss maybe okay well we understand why you've done this but this is how we felt about it and maybe the way you do it should you should adopt a different method i think having um groups groups um organized by young people is um will also help build the bridge the relationship with yeah. the with the young people and the police On the 23rd of May, there would be a Westminster Hall debate on stop and search, which will start at 9.30am. Um, if members of the public are allowed to attend, mm. you don't need to um, book tickets for it. So if you're interested in the debate, in the debate, you can um, come and see it firsthand. However, if you are not available, you can also watch it on the Parliament TV yeah. channel and um, we'll post a link on the website on the day that the um, debate is happening. The debate as is well. happening yeah. That's really good. Um, and yeah, just to note, like all of these political meetings that do happen, whether they are in the House of Commons or whether they're in the GLA, it is all recorded yeah. and it is all um, sub- transcript. Transcribed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're all transcribed. So you can go back and find out what yeah. your politicians are saying um, about this issue and whether they're saying things that you actually agree with. So I think that's really important. So I feel like we've covered quite a lot. Yeah. So we first took it from the personal standpoint and now we turn it into the political and what our politicians are doing for us and what our authorities and structures are doing for us as well. Um, just to remind everyone that we are on Twitter. We will be sharing any type of jargon that we've said during this podcast. We will be sharing the description and definition using the hashtag jargonbuster. Um, but also please do let us know what you think about some of the things that we've said whether you know that there's more information out there whether there's more support groups that people can speak to and go to if they've faced you know, a serious issue themselves and they really have no one to turn to please share with us community organisations that are doing great work in this area to help young people who have been not only victimised but affected by the, like knife crime or crime in general um, amongst young people and helping them to change their life around because essentially, as we said earlier, this is a community issue and we all have to take the responsibility in some way and I guess ours is just trying to promote all the great work that people are doing out there mm-hmm. so that yourself and others are aware that there are these structures. I mean, we live in this community. We cannot afford to see it continue like this. Yeah. It's too depressing. Like, even for me, and I so encouraged my brother to drive as soon as possible. I even made it like a competition because I didn't want my brother walking on the street. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a luxury for us because not everyone can afford mm-hmm. a car. And to be honest, a car in London is not even useful. You, it's, it's easier to get around on public yeah. transport mm-hmm. in many ways. Um, but that isn't something that we should necessarily have to result to as a yeah. result of um, rising crime or just fear on our streets. So let's work together. Let's talk about practical solutions. We know it's not perfect, but there are things happening out there. And if we're aware of them and we put ourselves in the right positions that we can scrutinise the police, we can work closer together with them, we can work with more community organisations that are changing the narrative and are very positive in our communities. And I think we can go about making a positive society. I know I always harp on about having a positive and happier, healthier society, but that's the goal, man. That's what we have to have. And just before we go, um, if you have any podcasts that talk about, you know, gang, um, gang violence, youth violence, please also let us know so that we can link it 
plug it on our page. And um, one one um, person who I do want to talk about is a guy called Dysonomics. He's done a lot of um, he's done two episodes yeah. about um, youth violence, which I think is very interesting, especially from a male's perspective. So we'll definitely put it on yeah. our our um, Twitter page. But if you have any other um, podcasts, as I've said, please do let us know so that we can um, distribute it to our followers. Yeah, so yeah, amazing. thank you. So, without further ado, thank you so much for listening um, and tune in for the next episode of the Consensus Podcast. Bye! Bye.